basketball is hood. It's time for the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast with Jonathan Hood. You love basketball, you've come to the right place. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. As Jim Cutler just told you, I am Jay Hood, and we're brought to you by DraftKings. Yes, DraftKings. Do you know right now on DraftKings, you go to the NBA section on DraftKings as you download the app, you can bet on the Christmas Day games for the NBA right now. Can you imagine that? Right now, you can put bets down for the Christmas Day games, college basketball, and anything else you're looking for. Check it out. DraftKings. They are good to us. We want you to be good to them. DraftKings, the title sponsor for the Underhood Basketball Podcast. Thanks so much for downloading the podcast as always. Whether you're listening on the Cap and J Hood feed or on Spotify, you can catch this podcast on Spotify. You can check it out there. And that way you never miss an episode of our podcast. So thanks so much as always. It's been a busy week. If you're a Cap and J listener, you know I've been filling in for Cap. But here we are on the weekend. And we got to talk about some NBA, not just the Chicago Bulls, but the NBA as well. So let me start off first to talk about the Bulls and then work our way around the league because there's plenty to talk about. How about what's going on with this Bulls team, right? Now we're starting to hear a lot of pundits, whether it's podcasts or television, say, hey, this Bulls team is one of the best teams in the NBA. Now keep in mind, you and I both are basketball fans. That's why you download the podcast. As we record this on November 19th, you know, like I know, that it's a long season. But it's good for the Bulls to get off to a good start. If you're skeptical about Chicago and you say, well, you know, there is no LeBron James in the Laker game. And boy, you take a look at the Clipper game. There's no Kawhi Leonard. And take a look at what's happening with some of the other teams that they faced. Listen, you'd rather win those games than lose them. Now, I'm not looking at the Bulls like I would look at a national championship team for a college football and say, well, this is a quality win. This is not a quality win. Man, you win as many games as possible. You stay as healthy as possible, have as many good habits as possible, and you just keep it moving. That's how I look at it. So, you know, beating teams like the Utah Jazz and the Brooklyn Nets, uh, that's nothing to sneeze at, you know, especially for a team that's trying to figure out who they are. And so just going into Los Angeles, defeating the Clippers and the Lakers, that's a step in the right direction. That's a positive for this Bulls team. Now, the last game they played against Portland at the Motor Center, that's kind of a step sideways, not back, but it's a, it's kind of a step sideways. And here's why. The Bulls were looking good in that first half. And you saw Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan really be able to shoot the ball well enough to help the Bulls cause. Same thing with Lonzo Ball. And some of the traits of the Bulls came to fruition in that game against Portland in which you're moving the ball side to side, you're knocking down your threes, you're getting your hands in there, getting steals, turning the ball over, and being able to convert on the other end, getting to the foul line, right? Well, what happened was is what you usually see sometimes with East Coast teams coming over to the West Coast. What I mean is sometimes you have an Eastern Conference team that comes in there and says, boy, we've got a lot of open shots here. i got room to be able to shoot. And all of a sudden your tongue starts hanging down by your nipples and you're like, okay, I'm running out of gas here. And that's exactly what the Bulls did. The Bulls ran out of gas. That was the whole issue with them, uh, I believe, in that game against the Portland Trailblazers. Look, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are still a terrific one-two punch in the NBA. There's no doubt about that. They did not play well in the first half. 
uh, Nurkic on the inside, a very good player for the Portland Trailblazers. And so what happened was is that the Bulls just let go of the rope. And what we're going to see a lot this year, and I'm warning you again, Bulls fans, because I'm doing a first guess, not a second guess. I've been saying this if you've been an avid listener to this podcast. And again, go to Spotify. If you're a Spotify listener, uh, subscribe to the podcast. That way you never miss an episode or catch it at Cap J Hood or wherever you find this podcast. I've said this as a first guest. Before the season started, as a first guest, I said, um, I don't think the Bulls are going to be very good defensively. And I know that's irksome to Billy Donovan, but they're just not equipped to be able to stop bigs or stop teams that actually have some size or prowess in the middle. And so what we saw is is that uh, the Bulls just stopped getting back defensively. They had a lot, a lot of open shots, and they end up losing the ball game. Ultimately, midway in the third quarter, and then the fourth quarter was a complete collapse. Billy Donovan not happy after the game. Yeah, I mean, Tony, that should be... Um... Derek picked up some fouls there. I probably should have got him off and shouldn't have let him go into the locker room with four. But I just felt like we were okay because Tony was probably going to start the third against Nurkic. Nurkic was going to come back in. I'm going to need Tony against him. Um, You know, I thought a lot of our bigs had opportunities today offensively to really, really make some plays and do some things. And we were just weren't quite able to make enough of them with the amount of pressure and aggressiveness they placed on our perimeter. You know, there was things there to be had. Uh, there were some possessions I think we did a pretty good job. And other possessions I think we left points, you know, on the table. Uh, but no question, you know, they were they were going to go do that. They were going to try to do that as best they could. Um, but the other thing, too, is we needed, I thought, with all the pressure, Zach and DeMar and Lonzo and Alex were getting on the perimeter, we need somebody in the middle of the floor that can maybe make a play and create something. And, you know, Derek, I thought, had some opportunities and, you know, wasn't able to do maybe some of the things that he did, you know, in L.A., that happens, but uh, clearly they tried to, you know, attack our, our lack of size. There's no question. What's, the, what's kind of the lesson to be learned from the second half like that? You know, it's always, I think, a little bit easier when a team's down to kind of come out and, and, and say, okay, we're going to we're gonna raise up the intensity. And sometimes a team that's ahead is trying to wonder, you know, okay, how much more, what is it going to be? But it to me, it's always about, like, these guys have been around long enough. Do you think that Lillard and McCollum are going to sit there and have zeros across the stat line? Like, they're going to be aggressive. And their team's going to be aggressive, and they're going to be physical. And it's, it's like the same thing that we responded to really well in the Laker game. They throw Baysmore in the game. Baysmore gets really physical, a lot of contact out there tonight, and we handled it. You know what I mean? And we got to the free throw line, and we, we handled it. And today, we just didn't handle it very well. And we've got to be able to understand it's 48 minutes. And, you know, I think, I, think the things that, I think the things that allow comebacks like that, in my opinion, is the free throw line, giving up threes, and 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 you know turning the ball over, and and that really hurt us. They they made eight, I think maybe I don't know maybe eleven threes or eight threes, what it was in the second half. Uh, we put them to the free throw line. They went to the free throw line four times as much as we did in the first half. And then you know we we basically uh, we turned it over too much. You can't do that. That's 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 like the, that's like the perfect recipe of giving up big lead. Those things. Can you take us through two plays? Marcus dropping the timeout. What was the breakout there? And then Zach's last. Possession. It looked like it was scrambling for the, 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 the offensive, and then he finally popped free wide open. Who's on that? Is that 
second, third option. You mean with the one he shot a three, Zach? Um, yeah, we, we, I mean, the, the, the pick and roll stuff probably should have been switched. There was probably a little bit of a miscommunication there. Um, we didn't really have backside help, but we probably, we had been switching it and didn't, didn't do a clean enough job on that. Um, no, I think the guys executed the play really well at the end and, you know, Zach got a good look, but like, I don't think there's anything to do with that. I mean, he could have tied the game, but there was so many other things that happened to me that were in that situation. Now you're relying on a guy making a shot to potentially get the game to overtime. But like, even with the way we were playing, we just, it was just a whole thing. So, I mean, they, we got the shot that we wanted to get, you know, for, for Zach there at the end. I like me. I watched him all year long so far, you know, really, really be highly efficient. Like I said, sometimes, you know, what happens, these guys are human and as great as they are offensively, there's going to be nights where they don't shoot the ball particularly. That's just kind of the way it is. Um, but I still think that we could collectively play, you know, defend a better, rebound better, take better care of the ball. And you, you're going to miss shots. That happens. These guys have been on a, you know, Zach and, 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 and DeMar have been incredible offensively all year long. And, um, you know, Zach had a great offensive night tonight. And DeMar maybe didn't, wasn't as efficient. And he was still efficient, but he wasn't as efficient, efficient as, he, as he normally has been, you know? So the thoughts there from Billy Donovan, the head coach for the Chicago Bulls, as the Bulls lose to the... Portland Trailblazers will play the Nuggets on Friday to end their West Coast road trip. But you know what? I've been impressed by the Bulls, and I think that many have been surprised at how well the Bulls have played. Now, once again, something has to be done. Now, Vucevic will be returning. I'm not even sure if the Bulls win if Nikola Vucevic is on the floor against um, the Portland Trailblazers the other night. I have no idea. I just know that he brings at least 10 rebounds to the table, as well as at least 10 plus points. And I like Vucevic on this team, but there's going to be some issues defensively with this team. There's no question. And it's got to be perimeter defense. It's got to be making sure that the opposition is not just immediately just going to the basket. There has to be team defense there for in order for us to work because the Bulls are small. But they're effective, though. The shooting, what's so positive for me is that Zach Levine is, can shoot the basketball, and he can shoot himself out of games, too. But maybe he won't shoot himself out of so many games because DeMar DeRozan is there. And so Brian Scalabrini and Frank Isola from NBA Radio, the starting lineup show on Sirius XM, they were talking about DeMar DeRozan. They were talking about the Bulls. Listen. You know how it works in the NBA, folks. You make your bones in this league by winning road games. Oh, yeah. That's what always separates the also-rans from the playoff teams. you got to win on the road, and they've gone out on the West Coast right now, and they've won back-to-back games at Staples Center. That's a terrific job by them. And DeMar DeRozan, how about the two days that he had in L.A. and the whole story about his dad. It's, it's the first time that he's played in L.A. as a professional and his dad wasn't at the game because his dad had passed away last year. And he has a huge game against the Clippers. And last night he goes 15 of 23, 38 points. Chicago wins at 121 to 103. And De- DeRozan deserves a, to be an all-star. There's a lot of all-stars right now in the Eastern Conference, but DeRozan's level of play, like he deserves it more than they do. And, um, it's just when you watch the Bulls, they got so many ways to beat you. They have so many different lineups to beat you. So many guys to beat you. They Lonzo Ball from shooting the ball, Caruso with his IQ and hard playing, DeRozan, Zach Levine off the bench. I just they're just one of these teams that if you love basketball, you love the NBA. They're a hard team not to like. Thoughts there from the White Mamba, as he called himself when he's with the Bulls, Brian Scalabrini. 
interesting. Because Scalabrini was the first guy to say when the Bulls played Boston, yeah, I don't believe in this team. Yeah, they just played Toronto and Detroit. They're not very good until the Bulls beat the Celtics' ass because Scalabrini also is a color analyst for the Celtics. And I think he became a believer because of the Bulls winning that game on the road against Boston. Now, the Celtics are not as good, at least not up to the best start under Adoka. There's no doubt. And there might be a trade or two that can't take place I think with Brad Stevens in the front office, we'll see about that. But still, the Bulls winning on the road a couple of games, including the Clippers and the Lakers, that's a step in the right direction for this team. So I'm very happy to see that. Beal, turnarounds in the paint, got it over Grayson Allen. The Wizards need to improve as their outside shooting in the last two games. So far, so good. Beal, the hesitation off the glass. Nice finish there by Beal. He's got four Wizards back up by one. Beal fights. Abdi has got it. Beal with the left. Oh, what a finish. Finish. Denny Abdi finding Brad in that bounce pass. And then having the sense to switch that over from his right hand to his left. Beal. I thought Kuzma did a really nice job on him in the first quarter as Kuzma puts it on the floor, nearly double dribbled. Here's Beal, his second three. That's the second time we saw Kuzma's in that set right there. Beal splits to the hoop. Oh, Bradley Beal's got 20 now. So you heard some of those highlights from the Washington Wizards broadcast team. And the reason why we're doing this here on the podcast, because as some people are surprised by the Bulls, I think we should also be surprised by the Washington Wizards. And the Wizards and Brooklyn and Miami, the Bulls are all in a cluster at the top of the Eastern Conference standings uh, right now. They're within a half game from each other. Miami, Brooklyn, the Bulls and Washington as we record this on Friday. That's an amazing story. The Bulls are an amazing story themselves, of course, because of how more abundant a franchise has been under Gar and Pax and everything else. But uh, I will tell you, this has been interesting. The Wizards kind of coming out of nowhere. Now, check this out. Bradley Beal, we just heard a cluster of his highlights, right? Bradley Beal's averaging 24 points a game, and that's no surprise to anyone that follows basketball. Bradley Beal's been terrific, along with Montrez Harrell and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. I can't say enough about how he's a key cog to what the Wizards are doing right now. Kyle Kuzma is a former Laker, part of this Wizards team, and uh, KCP, Caldwell Pope, a part of this team, and former Bull Gafford. So uh, I look at the, the roster, right? And I say, it's a really, you know, you got some good players. Montrezl Harrell is a beast inside. Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, is underrated as a lead guard. Um, Bradley Beal, of course, is a great shooting guard, uh, I believe, in the NBA. A guy that's emerging for sure. Kyle Kuzma as a small forward. So, I like the team. I heard Sam Mitchell. I heard Sam Mitchell. And I heard Joel Myers, my buddy from New Orleans Pelicans. They did a show together um, and on Sirius XM. And I heard them say that the Wizards are the deepest team in the East. No, I'm still here. It's amazing, right? He said that Joel Myers and Sam Mitchell said that the Wizards are the deepest team in the East. And I'm just like, wait a minute, the deepest team in the East. 
there's no way that the Wizards are the deepest team in the East. However, I do like their parts, right? I, somehow, somewhere, I think Joel and Sam forgot that the Milwaukee Bucks or the Brooklyn Nets are also in the Eastern Conference. I don't know how they came up with that, but I will give the Wizards their flowers early. Um, because, And I don't know how this comes about at the end of the season, at the end of the regular season, if the Wizards are going to be a playoff team or not. But I look at that roster and you kind of wonder, like, how are they one of the top four teams in the East right now? It's because Bradley Beal's a terrific player. And, and the whole scuttlebutt with them is... Oh, Bill should have went someplace else. How many times as Bulls fans said, man, if the Bulls only had Bradley Beal, if the Lakers only had Bradley Beal, man, the missing ingredient on the Bucks is uh, a guy like a Bradley Beal, right? Always the missing ingredient, always the missing guy, right? And so Bradley Beal on this um, basketball team for the Wizards is a leader. Like there's no John Wall, there's no... What you have here is Bradley Beal being a leader. And I like the other parts, too. Uh, Dinwiddie's a very good player. So let's keep our eyes on the Wizards, see how sustainable this is. But off to a good start. It's it's a good story when teams come out of nowhere and perform well as a must-watch in the regular season. Chicago's there. Washington is there as well in the Eastern Conference. Don't forget, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings, DraftKings.com. You say, Hood, I don't gamble. I don't play fantasy sports. Well, you should, because it adds more skin to the game. DraftKings, they are a sponsor for this podcast. As we give you this podcast every week on Spotify and the ESPN Chicago app and places all around the podcast sphere. So check it out. Again, it is DraftKings. And use the promo code WMVP, WMVP for DraftKings. Let's get to Scotty Pippen. When I say Scotty Pippen, you think what? I think six-time NBA champion. I think one of the top 50 players in the NBA history. I think of a player that was the second best player on those championship teams. A solid defender. A man who grew into just being a tall, lanky kid from Central Arkansas that grew into being one of the great players to ever play the game. And you would think with all those accolades, that would be enough for Scottie Pippen, right? You'd think that's enough, but it's not. It's not enough for Scottie Pippen. As you all know, Scottie Pippen has a book that's out, and he's making a press tour, and he's saying things off the top of his head that he feels he should say to sell his book. And here's the thing I will not say. I will not say, well, he's making it up just to sell booze and books. I will say that he's speaking his truth to sell his booze and books. Uh, I don't know if he's doing it just to sell it, but what my point is that uh, he's speaking his truth, and he's putting it in a book for everyone to read. I'm not mad. I'm just sad for him that he has to do this to put this in a book. Because my question for you is, after he's written this book, which he has, and it's in the top 15 in the New York Times bestseller list, okay, after that, then what? Right? You're going to go scorched earth on the greatest basketball player to ever play in Michael Jordan. And so, then what? So you're going to diss Jordan, you're going to shit can him and put him to the side as if he doesn't matter. Fine. That was your dude, right? There's a guy here that spoke you up, even in the last dance, talked about how special Scotty was to the team. But he also talked about Scotty's issues, and there were Scotty's issues. Listen, you know, I came up in the 90s in sports radio, and one of the topics always was Scotty Pippen. What's up with the gun in the car? What's up with him throwing a, a chair across the, the uh, United Center floor? 
You know, how come he had this issue with the contracts? How come he decided that he didn't want to F up his summer, as he said? And so instead of having the surgery after a regular season, after a playoff run, have the surgery, rehab, and get ready for the regular season. No, what he decided to do is have surgery when he wanted to do it and left the Bulls high and dry in one of the in the last season of the Bulls championship run. Why did he do that? Because he's Scottie Pippen. Scotty is a guy that just needs more attention, and I don't get it. I love Scotty Pippen as a ball player. I, I can go to any barbershop on the west side or the south side of Chicago and bring up Scotty Pippen, and they'll talk about how great Pippen was as a defensive player and as a scorer and as a strong number two option for the Chicago Bulls and those championship teams. And for whatever reason, Scotty wants to do whatever he wants to do by saying that Michael Jordan flu game was not special. Um, he, he's going to talk about that. He's talking about how Michael didn't speak up more about the team or more about Pot Pippen in the Last Dance documentary. And I'm like, dude, really? Really? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I don't understand. Scotty had a lot of things to say to Frank Isola on Sirius XM in their town hall they had for Scotty Pippen. I want you to listen to a number of things that Scotty had to say about Jordan, the Bulls, and other NBA issues, right? Uh, let's start with this one. So Scotty talks about the Lakers, right? And I've called the Lakers the wild hogs, right? Have you ever seen that kind of average movie with, um, the wild hogs, uh, where he had Tim Allen and Martin Lawrence and John Travolta and others. It's kind of like their last ride. They're on motorcycles and they're a certain age and they're kind of older trying to have that last ride, that last run of glory. And that's how I see this Lakers team the same way, kind of like this last run for them. Um, with LeBron James and, gosh, and Russell Westbrook and and uh, a lot of veterans on this team. John Rondo's on this team. And I just think, boy, it's a really older team. Mello, all these guys. So, Scotty was asked about this Lakers team compared to the Bulls championship team. Let's give it a listen. When you guys won your last title in Chicago, the average age of the team was 33. The average age of the Lakers right now is 32 so we know that older teams could win what do you think about where the lakers are right now and with lebron james who will december 30th will turn 37 well we don't know about older teams that can win yet because of the bulls i mean that team was already assembled this team here is reminds me of the lakers that they throw together with the car malones the gary payton uh, there's no chemistry there you know you talk about our old team in chicago we had chemistry yeah we were together from 96 all the way through. And you could go back and far as saying our system was implemented in 1990. So, you know, with me and Michael, there was chemistry there. You know, Dennis was a perfect fit because of the way that he played. Tony Kukoc had been in the system for a while and a lot of those other guys. So I don't think you can make that comparison when you're talking to the Lakers who have went out and signed a lot of free agents. Uh, guys that were MVPs who still um, sort of feel like they're uh, still a megastar in the game and they're going to be a megastar for the Lakers. We didn't have none of that sort of chemistry problem that we had to deal with. Um, we we knew our roles. Some thoughts there from Scotty regarding the this year's Lakers team versus the championship Bulls. How about this one? This one cuts to the bone for some Bulls fans. So, the last time we saw the Bulls in a championship situation was that flu game for Michael Jordan. 
we remember it very well, right? Scottie Pippen, with his bad back, pretty much carried Michael Jordan off the floor after Jordan raises up and hits that jumper off of Byron Russell in Utah against the Jazz to win the sixth championship in eight years. Now, Scotty says he had a bad back during that time and thought that if there was a Game 7 of that series, uh, he could not play. If there had been a Game 7, would you have been available to play? No. Really? No, I was I was done pretty much. I mean, I was... Uh, I struggled to pull it through in that game. And uh, I suffered from it, still suffering from really? it. But uh, I wouldn't have played... In a game seven, I just wasn't able to go. I mean, I knew on Saturday that, you know, I probably had one game left in me. And the start of that game, I got a dunk early in the game and got banged a little bit by Malone. And that really put me back on my heels throughout that whole game where I was running back in the locker room, cortisone, whatever kind of medication I could get in me, heat pack, whatever, to try to carry on but uh i definitely was not able to uh play a game seven and, and you know the way it works with us in the media when michael jordan would get sick in a playoff game we make it seem like he came from his hospital bed yeah. with iv stuck in his arm and, he's able to have, and, and he has these great accomplishments but for you that is pretty remarkable what you did again i'm not saying you're doing it for people to give you credit but do you feel that not enough was made of that moment because there you were playing hurt in a deciding game against well, a great Utah Jazz team. Here's my breakdown on that. I'm going to ask you this. All right. Is it easier to play <laughs> with a herniated disc or to play with the flu? They always say the worst injury to have is a bad back. So, Well, I don't, I don't see many uh, bad back games, but I do see <laughs> flu games. Flu. Come on. Why, Scotty? Why? Why? <laughs> so you think that Jordan was hurt? I had a herniated disc, and I couldn't have played in Game Seven. Why is the, why the one-upmanship? Why? Why that? Now again, that possibly is true from Scotty. I'm not doubting that. But I mean, if Jordan was sick, that's a story, yes. But Pippen had a bad back. Okay, that's part of the folklore. If I'm doing the story, you know how I'm telling the story? I'm like, yeah, you know what? By the way, I don't know if anyone knew this, but I had a herniated disc in my back uh, during that series. Not to compare it to Michael, but just you want to bring that up because I don't know if people really knew about that, right? If that is the case. But he's refuting and pushing off the fact that like, Michael Jordan's flu game, I mean, it's not a real big deal. Well, I think they're both, can't they both be true? Can't they both be big deals? I don't get it. We're all a little disappointed that he didn't give more credit um, to the team as a whole. I yeah. thought the documentary, being that it was the last dance, would talk more about our team. Uh, it was definitely a collective effort to let those cameras inside of our sacred locker room, wherever, hotel room, bus, whatever travel that we were doing. So I thought it was something that we did as a group together and that it would be shared that way, and it wasn't. <sighs> Jordan didn't give the team enough credit. Does Pippen need to be able to hear from Michael to be able to have that feeling like, hey, man, he gave us credit, so I feel 
I feel great now. I, I, I feel like since because Michael gave us all the credit and the whole documentary was about the team and not about, my, I mean, just so ridiculous. Just so ridiculous. I, I don't, I don't understand it. Look, we all appreciate what Scotty brought to the table. If you were around to see it, you get it, right? But this whole idea that he's bellyaching and is still complaining years later. I know he's got a book to sell. I get that. But you are torching the legacy of the Bulls and himself by just complaining in every media outlet and in this book that Michael Jordan didn't give you enough credit or Michael Jordan's flu game was fraudulent or, my, or Phil Jackson was a racist. It's just, it's amazing. He did get around to talk to Frank Isola on Sirius XM NBA on the town hall about the Chicago Bulls, this team. Uh, I mean, I still think it's early in the season. Uh, they definitely have made some strides and brought in some, some pieces that are going to give them a chance to be a little bit more competitive. But I don't know how well they can do still. I mean, there's still some very dominant teams uh, out there. You got Milwaukee, you know, just up the street. That's probably still the top team in the East. Um, and then you got Brooklyn, you got Miami. Toronto still plays very good basketball. And, you know, there's some young, hungry teams out there that are very competitive. You know, Cleveland, those young players have yeah. gotten better. And they're playing with a lot of energy. They're beating a lot of good teams. So, you know, the Bulls have gotten better um, due to their roster, uh, for sure. But you still got to compete. And there's still some good teams out there that I think that they haven't caught up to. Don't forget, the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast is brought to you by DraftKings, DraftKings.com. Make sure that you download the app as well, DraftKings, and use the promo code WMVP. You can bet on anything, college basketball, the NBA, and definitely boxing or everything else in between. Check out DraftKings. You like sports? Go to DraftKings and download the app. And again, use the promo code WMVP for deals. So the Bulls recently took on the Golden State Warriors. And I only bring up the Bulls and the Warriors only in this regard. That it was an interesting bill, right? It was, you could put on the marquee. First place Chicago Bulls team. First place in the East at the time. I guess first place in the West Golden State Warriors. And the Bulls got their ass whooped. The Warriors are just that good again. And even though as we record this on Friday, there are three injuries. Draymond Green, who we'll hear from in a little bit. Draymond Green, uh, Andre Iguodala, and Steph Curry are all out in the game they're going to play on Friday. But they've had such a great start. And, you know, I think that the Warriors have another run to the championship, especially when Klay Thompson gets healthy. Um, When you have that much three-point shooting, and if, if Wiseman can come back and be able to be a big guy in the middle for them and be able to provide his prowess, man, I mean, the Warriors could have something special here. Um, so uh, the aforementioned Brian Scalabrini was on SiriusXM talking about Steph Curry. And Steph Curry, as long as he can shoot the basketball the way he does and be a threat, the Warriors will always be in a lot of games. The Warriors could – they could replace the Phoenix Suns as the Western Conference champions this year. I think that very well could – be likely if all the players, all the quality players in that Warriors team come together and they shoot the ball well, who knows what this Warriors team could bring. But by the way, so after the Bulls got pantsed, right, the next marquee game is the Nets against the Warriors. And boy, the Warriors came to play in that one. Steph Curry is out there and he makes it so many times where 
guys on the Warriors are playing four on three, or even if you're playing four on four in the NBA, just imagine the space that occurs for guys to drive. It is like, like it is the perfect scenario. Now, I have no idea what Clay Thompson will be like when you're back, but if you have Clay Thompson on one side, let's say he's like 90% of what he was before. You have Clay Thompson on one side. You have this new and improved version of Steph Curry. I almost think like he's more difficult to guard now than he was when he won the MVP and he had the ball in his hands all the time. So you have this element of this team. What is the floor going to look like for a guy like Jordan Poole, for Iguodala, for James Wiseman? Like you're going to be playing two on one constantly at the rim. Like this is. Like, Steph Curry is a big problem. And I talk about Jokic all the time and how he makes everyone around him better. Steph Curry does that without even touching the ball. Things that don't show up in the stat sheet, like that bucket that Jordan Poole just got driving left and kind of the floater over the top, that's because two guys were guarding Curry 35 feet from the basket. So the Warriors are going to be tough. And if Klay Thompson comes back with that flamethrower, man, good luck. In that game in which the Warriors uh, went off against the Nets, Curry at 37 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 12 for 19 from the field, 9 for 14 from 3. 9 for 14 from 3! Antonio Daniels, who has been a guest on this program before, Antonio Daniels was talking about the Golden State Warriors as well. Daniels, of course, an NBA champion in his own right with the San Antonio Spurs. He says, hey man, in that game in which the Warriors had a big win against the Nets, it's about three letters. KYP is so incredibly important. Know your personnel. That's not just an offensive saying. That's a defensive saying, too. Knowing what your guy does well. And the Warriors, 14 games into the season, have done such a good job of doing that. Knowing who to run on three-point line, who to close out short and allow them to shoot, who to double and leave someone else wide open. You saw last night. They let Blake Griffin wide open. They let Bembry wide open. They let Bruce Brown wide open. Because you know what they were banking on? That's old-school basketball. Kevin Durant, you're not going to beat us. James Harden, you're not going to beat us. We're going to make you put the ball in someone else's hands that's not accustomed to making plays. And we saw how quick that game got away from the Nets. So Charles Barkley said that he would probably be on TNT as an analyst for another couple of years and then maybe retire and do something else. I hope that's not the case. I hope Shaq retires first. I don't think that's happening either. I still contend that the best show for inside the NBA on TNT was Ernie Johnson, Kenny the Jet Smith, and Charles Barkley. They they were three friends, it was a lighthearted conversation, and I thought that Shaq ruined what I thought was already a good show. Shaq brought to the table, I thought, something heavy-handed and mean at times, going after Charles Barkley because Barkley's never won a championship, and Shaq trying to make Barkley feel less than. It's one thing to be able to bust balls, it's another to be mean, and I thought that Shaq at times, it was very mean to Charles. And I, look, I'm not like this overly sensitive dude. What I'm saying is, is that when you're at the barbershop or if you're just talking about sports, it doesn't have to be overly mean. You, you can go after somebody for their opinion. You don't have to go after someone because their career seems less than to you. Because I think, especially on TV, I think that that's just unnecessary and it's out of pocket. And so I've never been a Shaq fan on the, inside the NBA on TNT. But if someone was to leave and if this person retires, I think immediately Draymond Green would be a star doing talk. Draymond Green can't stop talking. Draymond Green likes to uh, talk, talk his shit and speak his truth. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now he's got a podcast. Uh Uh-oh. 
a podcast on the volume with Colin Cowherd. So he's got his own podcast and had first episode, he was taking a torch to people that thought that the Warriors and their run is done. During those times, a lot of fucking people wrote us off. The dynasty's over. Draymond's washed. He can't do this. He can't do that. Steph Curry has no help. He can't carry a team. You go down the list. You have to know the disrespect is unbelievable by the way Clay keeps speaking out on it. Clay doesn't talk about any fucking thing. Clay doesn't even fucking talk. Hey, man, it's a lot of basketball left to be played. Like, I'm not going to sit here and act like, man, we're sitting in first place in, at game 60. Like, it's game 15. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. What I do know is we have a damn good team. And we will continue to grow. We will get Clay back. We will get Wiseman back. And those are two more important pieces to what we're trying to rebuild here. And I think if we continue to work, we can give ourselves a real chance. And boy, don't let us win a fucking championship. Because you got to fucking hear it from me. (laughs) Oh, boy. There it is. Draymond Green letting everyone knows. Don't let us win a blanket championship. That's what he said. (laughs) So that's the Draymond Green show. It's got a new podcast, the Draymond Green show. He already had Mel Tucker, the Michigan State head football coach on, on his first episode. Yeah, he's got a lot to say. And he's really good at talking. So he's going to be making headlines. He's going to be making news each week on that podcast. Light jacket weather, that's for sure. Over the top, Diggins with a big time slam to start things off for the flame. Now to Pennington, three on the clock. He lets it fly, misses the shot. Rebound on the floor, loose and dug out of there by Johnson. Another one. Johnson over the top to Franklin for the land, and it's 6-0 play. Out goal for the Trolls. 18 points a game for Borheiser. And there's a big time slam for Diggins. High elevation early for Diggins. Yeah. You mentioned they played last night, correct? Yeah, yeah they look at There's a big-time block there. A big and strongest battle for the block. And here come the Flames again. Diggins for three. Swish! Michael Diggins knocks down the three from the left wing. 31-15 Flames. Spinning and turning. Trying to find some daylight. Ball's tipped in into the hands of Jamie Hale. Right back to him. KJ Ahale. Ahale for three. Swish! Ahoy Ahale! Ahale for three in the corner. 36-15 Flames. Out of there by battle. All the way in. Layup is good. Thanks, Sam. And it just kind of reverberates what I said and, and what we were talking about is... Ooh, that, big time block there by Franklin. Execution here on the offensive end. Here's a lob. Here's a lob to battle. He gets it in. Battle with the basket. And the Flames bench is up in arms. They're happy. 67-32 Flames. Played teams, you know, that we knew they could beat. We could beat. I'd say no threes. Let's shoot layups. Big time block on Lorop. And now inside, the layup is good. Good job. Beautifully done there for the Flames and Johnson. Taken away. Bodich ahead to Warren. Warren with the layup. Flames will walk this out here, and the Flames win. The UIC Flames win the home opener here at Credit Union 1 by the score of 91 to 50. Yes, that was me. <laughs> and Kenny Williams, the UIC Flames um, Hall of Famer, 
as this past Tuesday, I called the UIC Flames against the Trinity Christian Trolls. It's my 10th year doing UIC Flames basketball, so yes, I'm bragging on myself because we had a fun time. It was good to be able to broadcast a game with the fans in the stands, and so all the games for UIC, you can find them on the ESPN uh, Plus app, on the ESPN app. And, uh, yeah, those home games are on ESPN+. Plus, So it's just good to be able to broadcast with fans in the stands. That was cool. A <laughs> uh, little rusty on the play-by-play, but I think the UIC Flames are going to have a fine season under head coach Luke Yaklich. And, by the way, I talked to Yaklich uh, on this podcast. Go in the archives and look for my interview with Luke Yaklich. Uh, he was a former assistant at Michigan as well as Texas under Shaka Smart. So, He's a very interesting dude. He's from the land of Lincoln, uh, from the state of Illinois, and uh, he is gung-ho about this whole basketball team. He's a passionate guy, finally with a program for him to run uh, at UIC. So uh, it was really fun to be able to call that game, and I'll call another one December 2nd, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the calendar in front of me, but it's, it's the UIC Flames against the Oakland Golden Grizzlies. So always Horizon League play here, and uh, that's always fun to do. All right, thanks so much for checking out the podcast, the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. And we'll have another one next week, next Monday. I'll have Bobby Marks on the show. That'll be our guest, Bobby Marks from ESPN. I'll get his thoughts about the Bulls and everything else around the NBA, uh, including the investigation. Uh, is Lonzo Ball legally with Chicago and these other deals that took place this past offseason? What's up with the investigation? And a lot of other news and notes around the NBA with Bobby Marks. He'll be my guest for the next Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks for listening. As this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings, basketball is hood, college or pro. You never know what you're going to get on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast.